Is That Really in the Bible? presents the teaching ministry of David Freeman. The uh, message today is a program I did about a month ago. And some of you may have watched the video, I don't know, but if you did, that just means that you need to hear it again. Uh, you didn't get it the first time, so. All right, but uh, it's, uh, <laughs> the title is, Why Are Paul's Letters So Misunderstood? You know, out of the 27 books in the New Testament, Paul wrote 13. And a lot of those letters are indeed misunderstood. In fact, people take Paul's letters and they create, I believe, a no-law theology that says basically the law is a curse or it's been done away, it's been nailed to the cross, you've heard all this, it's a, it's a burden, it's been abolished, it's been fulfilled, we are dead to the law. Much of that is taken from Paul's letters. Um, the question I want to deal with is why? Why is Paul, why, why would God allow this for Paul to be, or, or to be misunderstood? Now, there are people, and I didn't, I didn't even realize this, and this may be in our tradition. You know, the church of God often draws a lot of nutty people and with nutty ideas and concepts. It's just a fact. It's one that you got to get used to and realize, okay, this is the attraction of, often, of, of God's church. Uh, get used to that because you will be exposed to that more and more and more as we near the return of Jesus Christ. That's a fact. Okay. But uh, I heard that some people uh, reject Paul completely as an apostle. They say he was a false apostle. And one of the reasons they do that is because they think, in their mind, they think, well, if we can just get rid of Paul, all that misunderstanding of Paul's right, we can, we can classify him as a false apostle, well, then that would clear up the issue about God's law. Now, I don't agree with that at all, that, that, that people would still, because of human nature, they would still find a way to wiggle their, themselves around, you know, the, the law of God. But... You either accept the Bible in, in its entirety. I mean, if you dismiss one you know, person, you can dismiss the whole writings of, of the Bible. So that is not a, but, but that's, that, I've heard that teaching before. Getting off track here, but another teaching I've, I've been made aware of that's coming up again in the churches of God is called this, the, uh, and see, who, who wrote this? Uh, James... Who's the guy, James? He's, he's real loud. James, uh, Mike James. Mike James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I shouldn't have said that. He might hear this. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he has an, uh, uh, an uh, the CGI has an article, The Seed of Satan Doctrine. It's a theology with, with, the, with Churches of God Circle. For those of you who are unfamiliar with this teaching, thinking, adherence of this belief, think the different races came to us through different original parents. Seedline believers think Cain was begotten by illicit sexual activity between Eve and Satan, the devil. Cain then became the father of the Jewish people. Some also believe colored people 
were around prior to Adam and Eve. There are some other similar ideas out there. The doctrine of the serpent seed, also known as dual seed or the seed line doctrine, is a controversial and fringe Christian religious belief that it explains the biblical account of the fall of man by stating that the serpent made it with Eve in the Garden of Eden and the offsprings of their union with Cain. This event resulted in the creation of two races of people, the wicked uh, descendants of the serpent who were destined for damnation and the righteous descendants of Adam who were dis destined to have eternal life. So, you know, again, be aware that you're going to see more and more of this stuff as we near uh, the return of Jesus Christ. But one of the points I want to make is that, you know, people, while they may misunderstand Paul's teaching, they don't seem to misunderstand the letter of James. Uh, if we were, uh, you know, people don't misinterpret that. But will you know, this is James 2 and verse 20, but will you know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Maybe they just don't read the book of James, you know what I mean? They don't want to read it, okay? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> James 2 and verse 21 was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar you see then how that faith wrought with his works and by works was faith made perfect you see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only this does not mean again that we are saved by our works no we're saved by God's grace but the two work together and I think I mentioned this a while back the, the two are yoked together works and faith, obedience and works, and faith, excuse me. Your faith needs to be backed up by obedience to God's law. If not, it's what we would consider a dead faith. Okay. Uh, Martin Luther called James the, apostle of, uh, the epistle of straw because he thought he was contradicting what, uh, what, Paul, what, what uh, Paul said. Uh, Martin Luther thought James contradicted Paul's teaching, which he, he did not. It's just that the two, again, are, are yoked together. Now, let's take a look at what the Bible says about Paul's teaching. We're asking the question, okay, why do so many people misunderstand Paul's teach, uh, uh, epistle, Paul's teaching, and what is God's, why does God allow this? Okay, 2 Peter 3 and verse 16, referring to Paul. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood. And that's an understatement, by the way. Hard to be understood. Which they that are unlearned and unstable rest or twist, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. So there's a warning here that, okay, people are going to take Paul's teaching and they're going to twist it and they're going to corrupt it. And they're going to, you know, let's say create a lawless theology that says the law is accursed, done away, nailed to the cross, burdened, abolished, fulfilled, we're dead to the law, whatever. So we have the, this warning from the Bible. Now the question is, if you were God, why would you allow the Bible to be written in such a way that it would be easy to be misunderstood? Why? For example, consider salvation. Greg just talked about salvation. In fact, he, he talked about a little bit more to it than just, yeah, I invite Jesus into my heart, and boom, I'm saved. A little bit more to it than that. But salvation is presented as the easiest thing you will ever do in mainstream churchianity. 
It's easier than finding a mate. It's easier than getting a job. It's easier than starting a business. It's easier than building a home. It's easier than getting a college degree. It's the easiest thing you will ever do. That's how it's presented. Okay? Yet Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 13, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, meaning difficult, and narrow is the way which leads unto life, and few there be that find it. You know, that's, that's, that's the exact opposite of what basically you hear. So Jesus tells us, again, the exact opposite of what you hear from mainstream. So why do religious people misinterpret the Bible? Why do they misinterpret? And what is God's motive for allowing this confusion? Jesus said, think not that I've come to destroy the law or the prophets. I have not come to destroy, but to fulfill. The very thing Jesus said don't think is what a lot of people think, by the way. That Christ came to do away with the law. According to Thayer's definition, the word fulfill, don't think I have come to destroy, but I have come to fulfill. That word means to obey as it should be. You know, if we didn't have a Savior that obeyed the law as it should be, we, we wouldn't have a Savior. Christ obeyed it as it should be, which is, a, you know, a, a critical point to understand. Okay, think not that I've come to this send peace on earth. This is Matthew 10 and verse 34. I came not to send peace, but a sword. You know, that's, that's um, again, I think of, okay, I think of the Christmas story. Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Yet Christ comes along and says, look, don't think I've come to send peace on earth. You know, there almost seems to be a disconnect, you know, uh, in, in what we are taught. Now, again, the question is, if you were God, why would you allow the Bible to be written in such a way that it would be so easy to be misunderstood? Did you know that Jesus answers this question? He answers it in the purpose of the parables that he spoke. Matthew 13 and verse 10. Matthew 13 and verse 10. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why are you speaking unto them in parables? They wanted to know why. The masses of people you are speaking to are not getting it, is basically what they're saying. Okay? All right. What was Jesus' answer? Matthew 13 and verse 11. And he answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. Now why? Why? You know, he was speaking to the twelve. Maybe there were more disciples than that, but whatever. He's, what he's saying is the masses, what, you know, they're not getting it. Okay, the masses, in one case he fed 4,000, other case he fed 5,000. All right, the disciples come along and say, look, the masses of people are not getting this. Why? Why? Matthew 13, verse 13. Therefore, I speak unto them in parables, because they seeing, see not, and hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. You know, there's, in the movie Rigoletto, I know I'm always referring to this, but, you know, it's hard. It, it, it's one of my favorites. But, uh, Bonnie comes to Rigoletto and says, uh, are you taking the people's property? 
you know, they thought he was, that he was stealing, you know. He, he said, no, I haven't taken anything from these people. He said, people only see and hear what they want to see and hear. What I have to say cannot get into their ears, much less into their hearts. It's a powerful, you know, concept that it, you know, and it's particularly so, I think, when it comes to the Bible. And again, we come back to this verse in 2 Peter 3 and verse 16. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, referring to Paul, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable twist as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Again, they take Paul's teaching and create a lawless theology. All right. Why do they misconstrue Paul's teaching about the law? Well, one thing it's important to understand is that preachers have been taught this in seminary school. This is what they are taught often in seminary school. And so the listeners in the audience buy into it, and it's what they want to see and hear and believe about the law. I want to see and hear and believe this, you know, okay? All right, but they're taught it, ministry, often are taught this in seminary school. Or as one person put it, cemetery school. <laughs> now again, the question is, if you were God, why would you allow the Bible to be written in such a way? That it would be easy to be misunderstood if we dare to look at something from God's perspective. John 6 and verse 44 says, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. You ever ask the question, why is the world we're living, you and I are living in, is not, it's, it's not getting any better? You know, it's going downhill. You know, gender confusion. There's only one way people get here, by the way. And, you know, it, it's easy enough to understand. How, how did we get here? How did you get here? How did I get here? There's only one way that we get here. There is no other way to get, to, to, to get here. And so uh, I think I've I, I mentioned this, 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 this uh, quote before that Billy Graham confessed to his family that he felt like he had been a failure. The reason was quite simple. After being seen and heard by millions, he did not see a nation that was any closer to God. And I think, man, if he, if he said that back in the heyday of the 50s, 60s, and 70s, you know, and, and I didn't realize until we watched that movie about Johnny Cash, you know, the, 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 uh, the uh, docu documentary about Johnny Cash where how much uh, Johnny Cash and Billy Graham did together. Uh, I didn't know that until I watched that, that uh, he participated in a lot of the um, crusades. crusades. There we go. Yeah. He sang, Johnny Cash sang, and, and Billy Graham preached. But I thought, you know, if you were to resurrect Billy Graham today and say, what was the impact of your preaching on the people and their children that would come along later? as he looked at our gender-confused society. You know, if he thought this back in, the, in his heyday, and it's typical for any preacher to do that, by the way, to look at what you do and say, what I'm doing is not enough, it's never enough, and I should be doing more, whatever. It, it's typical, but 
I just think, you know, if you were to resurrect him today, wow, what would he say? I mean, he would, he would, um, he would be amazed at that, our society and our culture, culture, how far it has gone downhill. Um, despite all the Christian broadcasting and evangelism and soul-saving campaign, there is a 84% fall-away rate. I, heard, I read that statistic one time, that when they go back and try to find these people that raised their hand or gave their heart to the Lord, they can't really find that they're involved in anything as far as a church or anything like that. So that, that's, that's sort of disturbing. But the point is, right now, God is calling a first fruit. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. You know, Romans 11 and verse 7 says this fascinating statement. What then? Israel has not obtained that which he seeks for, but the election has obtained it, and the rest were mm, blinded. Amazing scripture. Blinded? You mean God can do this? Romans 11 verse 8, according as it is written, God mm, has given them the spirit of slumber, yes, eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear unto this day. Fascinating scripture. Amazing scripture. Now, when it says God blinds people, it does not mean they are eternally lost. It just means it's not their time. It's not their time. Revelation 20 and verse 5, but the rest of the dead live not again until their, the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. On such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Okay. Um, so there is a, a future, and we, under, we understand, there is a future resurrection of the dead. So if you were God, why would you allow the Bible to be written in such a way that it would be easy to be misunderstood? The answer is very simple. Because it's simply not God's will for everyone to get it at this time. And it's a strange thing. If you were to, to tell non-religious people would, would get that, they would look around at our society and they would say, well, sure, I understand that. It's just not, I mean, look at the direction of our society. It's, it's not God's will for everybody to get it. Non-religious people would get that. For some reason, though, you know, maybe non-religious people would, like I used to, I used to watch um, preaching on TV. And I would watch faith healers, you know, knock someone down. You know, maybe the, the Benny Hens of our society or whatever. And of course, you understand that the reason you don't see faith healers in hospitals is the same reason psychics don't ever win the lottery. They're a fraud, you know. Now, I'm, again, don't misunderstand what, I'm said, what, I, what I said there when I said they're, they're, they're fakes, they're frauds or whatever. I do believe that it's possible for a person, because of their faith, to be healed and to go up to a, a faith healer has nothing to do with the faith healer, but that they can be healed because of their personal faith in God. Has nothing to do with the individual, you know, parading around, knocking them upside the head. If you ever want to see a movie that illustrates this, it is the uh, movie Leap of Faith. Powerful movie. Um, Steve Martin plays the part of a television evangelist, a faith healer. And a little boy, well, not a little boy, but a crippled boy is healed. 
And uh, there's a part in the movie where, where, where Steve Martin says, look, to the boy, he says, look, I know I'm a fake. I, and he tells the boy that. He says, I, I know I'm a fake. And he, the little boy says, well, what difference does it make as long as you get the job done? And he says, it makes all the difference in the world. And eventually, Steve Martin, that plays Jonas, retires from that parade that he's involved in. It, it's, a, it's a powerful movie, although I'm not, okay, I, don't, I'm, I have to be careful about recommending movies because there is this little bit of a, no nudity, but a, a sex, you, you know what they're about to do, two people, you know. So, but, uh, but if you can get past that, the, the, um, I'm actually amazed that Hollywood produced this kind of a movie because it does get that point across that yes, God can heal regardless of the fake. And it has to do with the individual's faith in God. And it portrays that in such a powerful way. Such a powerful way. But it's interesting that, that you know, I asked, okay, how does, you know, why would God allow the Bible to be written in such a way that it's not God's timing for everybody to get it at this time? The people that have a hard time accepting this is religious people. They're the last to get this. And I, I sometimes ask the question, why? And it may have to do with ego that there's just something about, you know, if I can check off that name off the roster that I got these 20 people saved, you know, I raise my hand, I invite Jesus into my heart. You know, we, we got 100 people saved last night. We, you know, it may have to do with that is the reason it's hard for, hard for religious people to accept this, that it's simply not uh, God's timing for everyone. So, uh, I'm about to close out, and I do want to offer whoever may watch this later a couple booklets. The Last Great Day. Well, the Last Great Day magazine is one of my favorite ones. Bible studies. The Last Great Day. Untold millions have died without ever having had an opportunity for salvation. God's seventh and final holy day reveals when and how they will have their day of salvation. You can order that by writing to the uh, address at the end of this program, at the end of this sermon. Also, if God so loved the world, Another powerful little booklet, Why Are So Many People Going to Hell? The truth is, they're not going to hell. It's just not their time right now. So, I'll close out there, and uh, we'll have, oh, yeah. They're getting ready to say, Alicia, come up here. Uh, <laughs> I'm so used to that. Uh, for more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net. Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program, worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service, and be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is isthatreallyinthebible.net. If you would like more information or if you have any questions, write to Is That Really in the Bible? 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Or visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net.